Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. From the first time I was here, I was kind of the young guy. And it's weird now because now I'm kind of the old guy. I'm trying to spread the knowledge of what I do have. But our guys in our room, the ability that we have is just unreal between AJ, Ed, Greg, Boogie, you know, just the guys. And it's just Vaughn. It's crazy, DQ, how much talent we have. We just need to come together fast and get it going. That is Bills defensive tackle Jordan Phillips. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, Hour 2, getting underway here. And uh, we will kick Hour 2 off with uh, the second of a back-to-back Bald Bills Twitter, uh, Bald Bills content creator. Uh, Don't tell Aaron, but definitely the more handsome one here joining me now is Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate on the Western Hotline. Ryan, uh, hopefully... Um, you know, hopefully Aaron doesn't take too much of offense to me calling you the most handsome one. Hey, you, you know, I, I hope not. I, I, I like the, I like where your head's at with that uh, proclamation. Listen, man, uh, I like to make sure when my guests get introductions that they're proper introductions. Um, and, and you are no different, my friend. I appreciate you as always for joining me on a Saturday afternoon. Um, let's kick things off. I wanted to ask you what the deepest group that you believe in terms of like position groups on this Bills team is. Um, and, and you can go as far as to say like an entire group, you can combine the defensive line together, both linebacker positions, the defensive backfield as an, as a whole. Where do you believe, jumping into this right now with this Bills team this year, their deepest position group currently lies? Yeah, in my opinion, it's definitely the defensive line, like you mentioned. You, you know, you bring in uh, some new faces, Von Miller, Daquan Jones, you have Tim Settle, you bring back Jordan Phillips and, and Shaq Lawson, and then those guys are joining a group that has Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, uh, A.J. Epineza. So uh, a mix of a lot of younger players that were first, second-round picks, uh, and then some really good signings in free agency. Obviously, Von Miller gets all the got all the attention, and rightfully so, but uh, a guy like Daquan Jones is going to be so important and so vital to the middle of that defensive line. And even Tim Settle. I love Settle in Washington. Uh, they had a, a starting defensive line of nothing but first-round players, yet they had to make room for Settle every week because every time he got on the field, he was making impact plays. Yeah, and I, and I do think the rotation is going to be really interesting in the interior, Ryan, and, and kind of how things start. Are you expecting maybe Settle, or is it Jones, in your opinion, that you think is sort of the de facto, okay, 
he's the starter, but we know how Sean McDermott, how's, how Leslie Frazier like to rotate the numbers at the defensive line. To say that you're the starter doesn't mean you're a guy that's getting 65, 70% of the snaps. I would be surprised if we see anybody on this defensive line short of Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Von Miller that get a lot more than 55, 60% of the snaps. Yeah, you nailed it. I think Jones might be the starter name, but you're still going to get settled. Uh, his fair share of reps on the inside. Phillips is going to make sure he gets his fair share of reps on the inside. Obviously, Oliver's going to be playing, I would say, the most of those defensive tackles. And, and then what's interesting, too, is even though I rattled off nine names, there's still guys like Brendan Bryant, Eli Anku, who are, are solid players. And when given the opportunity, they made some plays last year. So the, the Bills like to go heavy on their defensive line. Ten, maybe even 11 players isn't out of the question. Yeah, and, and I think, too, the the – one guy, and you heard him in the clip there, Jordan Phillips, that I just feel like is a definitely an under-the-radar signing this, this offseason, Ryan. But I'm wondering what kind of role you see Jordan Phillips having. Because for his size, he's never truly been like that two-gap run defender, right? He's big, but he's got a sneaky athleticism to him. Like, I think I could really see a, a scenario, Ryan, where he might be your de facto you know, one tech pass rusher out with Ed Oliver on third downs and be the guy on the interior next to Ed that can get after the quarterback and rush the passer. Like, is that the kind of role you're seeing with Phillips? And, I mean, I can't remember a time a team has three guys that can rotate outside of Ed Oliver, of course, but can rotate at either the one or three tech. I mean, the versatility between all four of those guys. I know that Ed Oliver can play one tech, but I'm I'm excited to see Ed Oliver have the guys around him so that he doesn't need to play out of position and play the one technique position. Like, he's got guys that are either A, oversized, or B, the perfect size for the one-tech position. And I think they've really missed that because of the last couple of years. I love Harrison Phillips. This is not a shot at him. But he's an undersized one-tech in terms of, of, of one techniques in the NFL. And Starla Tule, it felt like Ryan, year after year after year, was trending to be lighter and lighter and lighter. Um, and I don't think that's probably by the direction of the Bills. I think they wanted some size and some beef in the middle. They're certainly going to get that, but it's not just at the one-tech. They can move guys around. I think Tim Settle's a guy that could easily be the first sub in if Ed Oliver comes off the field at three-tech. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with that Oliver, this is going to be, I feel like he's gotten better every year, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the breakout season because of the talent across the entire line. It's going to let him really uh, play to his strengths, and he has really improved uh, in those one-on-one matchups. So if you have some a, a true one technique next to him, uh, he's going to make some plays in the run game. He's also going to be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, you have Von Miller, you have Greg Rousseau, who I think is ready to take that big leap. But then, you know, going back to Jordan Phillips, I, I love the idea of bringing him in there on those pass rush situations, those third down plays. Because even if the team attempts to draw a play or run play, he's solid against the run. Uh, but what got him that big payday in his last year with Buffalo was all those sacks where he was kind of cleaning up on plays, where they were getting pressure off the edges and, and the quarterback would try to go on the inside, and there was Phillips. I could see him having another really solid year in that role again in 2022 with the Bills. You make such a good point about the types of sacks Jordan Phillips got, and I'm wondering, too, like, the Bills, I think, I was, would you say that you were surprised at the attention 
that the defensive line got this offseason, considering they weren't bad last year, Ryan. They, But I also wouldn't say they were like the strength of the defense by any means. And they just did not have the vers- the scheme versatility when a team wanted to go grounded pound and you're playing the Titans, when you're playing the Browns or the Ravens. They didn't really have the bodies to match up with those teams on those offensive lines and those power run games. They do now, but they also have the ability to play against these high-powered passing offenses. I wonder, like, how maybe surprised were you that Brandon B not only decided that he needed to make over the defensive line, but that he basically scrapped everybody but their three young guys, four young guys, and completely remade what they were on that defensive line in its entirety? Yeah, I, I can't say that I'm shocked that he did that because I, I feel like every single year he's he's really paid attention to both lines, offensive line, defensive line. His MO since becoming Bill's GM is, you know, I, I'm going to get as much depth and competition on the offensive line. Now, on the defensive line, they've been drafting guys round one, round two. Uh, they've been trying to find those missing pieces. And I think they said, like, you, to your point, it was an okay unit last year in the defensive line, but – they didn't have that one player that could create uh, sacks in the big moments, and Jerry Hughes was great at creating pressures even in 2021, but he wasn't finishing plays. Mario Addison was, was up there in sacks in both of his years here in Buffalo, but he was not the guy that he was in Carolina. So you kind of have to say, okay, we got to revamp this thing. You want to go with your young players that you've already invested uh, draft capital in, and then you want to bring in that established pass rusher like Von Miller, who – has already had them at the pass rush summit. He's going to be great in the locker room for this team. Uh, on the inside, Daquan Jones, I really think is going to be that guy that at the one tech is going to help with the, the linebackers make plays, come up on the line he's, because he's going to be eating up those, uh, you know, offensive linemen going one-on-one with them, taking on two guys at times. So I, I really like what Brandon Bean did. And it's, it just kind of follows what he's been doing. You build up the lines year in, year out, make that one of your strengths. Yeah, and getting back to, like, one of the things that I think some people get confused about, and and they hear, well, Von Miller is going to really help Ed Oliver. Like, he should really be the guy that elevates Ed Oliver to have that true breakout campaign. I think a lot of people were expecting to see from the start of last year. They didn't see it at the start, but they certainly saw it at the end, Ryan. What to you, what's the biggest factor that that, that Von Miller has? And I know you kind of alluded to it in how how effective – Jordan Phillips was his last year in Buffalo because he was kind of cleaning up everything in the middle when when those edge rushers were so effective on the outside. Is it as simple as that, that like Ed Oliver's going to have more opportunities to get sacks because Von Miller is pressing the edge so much? Yeah, I, I mean, it is that simple. And, and listen, I, I don't think the Bills had someone last year that uh, opposing coaches said, hey, we really got to pay attention to this specific player. Uh, in terms of getting after our quarterback consistently. So you could uh, pay more attention to guys on the interior like Ed Oliver. So now, though, with Von Miller, he showed last year in the playoffs, once he adjusted to that defense uh, of the Rams, he could still be a big-time difference maker. You go through the entire playoffs, uh, Tampa Bay, I would argue, was his best playoff game, even better than the Super Bowl where he made some notable plays he made some games in the uh made some plays in the 49ers game as well and then the Super Bowl he was outstanding so there's you still have to pay attention to Von Miller and when teams are paying attention to a guy like Von Miller that's going to help your Greg Rousseau it's going to help your Ed Olivers it's going to help the defense as a whole it's even going to help on the back end with that secondary because if that quarterback has half a second less to scan the field that could lead to more bad decisions batted balls interceptions and the list goes on 
Ryan Talbot here of the Shout Podcast. You can find him uh, and his co-host, Matt Perino, wherever you get your podcasts. He's also a writer at New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. Ryan Talbot here on the Western Hotline. And the guy I kind of wanted to follow up on here, too, is Greg Rousseau, since we're talking about the defensive line. I mean, it's kind of crazy. We're, we've been talking about it for you know 15 minutes or so here, and we're just finally getting to Rousseau. But a really strong start to the rookie campaign and it did feel, Ryan, like there was a tapering off. And this is a guy that didn't play football for a full season. It's coming off of a shortened football season at Miami his last year. You know, just a much a, a much shorter schedule in college in the NFL. What are your year two expectations, knowing all the other aspects that have changed along this defensive line? Like, where do you where do you stand with Rousseau and what he looks like in year two? I actually see him making a very big leap. And now I'm not sitting here saying all pro, pro bowl, anything like that. But I think I'm going to see a big leap in his play. And, and a lot of it has to do with Von Miller and the talent around him. But the second thing is you have to look at these young prospects when they first come into the league. And you nailed it. First of all, uh, he was coming out of one of those COVID years. He didn't play football for an entire season. Yes, he was training for the NFL um, but even, even when you're just training for the NFL, it's not the real, it's not the same as the real game, getting into a program, understanding, uh, the, the, the frame that you have to have the, um, cardiovascular, all those aspects. So when, when you're a rookie and you enter the league, you usually don't have much of an off season because you're meeting with teams, even if it's via zoom or if it's, uh, in other capacities, and a lot of these guys have bowl games and things of that nature. He had an entire offseason to work on areas where the Bills said, hey, listen, you know, we liked what we saw from you as a run stopper. We liked what we saw from you making plays in this role. But here are the things you need to work on. And anyone that follows Rousseau on social media, he's been putting in the work all offseason. He looks like he's added a lot of muscle to that frame. So the size is there. Now you add that strength factor to it. You add Von Miller into the fold opposite uh, Rousseau, and then you already have a talented uh, player in Ed Oliver, you, you brought in some other defensive tackles. I really think that Rousseau is going to shine in 2022. And listen, Ryan, you know, to, to maybe cap up this defensive line group, I, I think everyone sort of knows what's at stake for A.J. Epinesa in year three. They're, people are looking at him to take that step that he didn't really take last year in year two, and I think there was an expectation with the weight being down and fitting into a position that he would take that leap, and it never happened, not last year anyways. But the guy I want to ask you about is Boogie Basham because this is a player that I think was a victim of the numbers. I, I don't think that there was like a level of disappointment internally in the organization like, oh, man, this was, guy was a second-round pick, and he just has not looked the part in training camp. So, hey, we're going to keep these veterans around. I think that this was a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl-caliber team that had veterans on the defensive line that under contract that they just simply – he got buried a little bit, but Ryan, he was a second-round pick, and I think that in the NFL today, your second-round pick has to have some level of impact, and he just did not have it last year. What does his role in your eyes look like this year in 2022? Well, I don't think you're going to see him inactive much this year, if at all, so that's, that's the first major change, and to his credit, when he was given opportunities last year, he made a splash play here and there. He made some plays at the end of the regular season and the playoffs. So I am intrigued to see what's going to happen. But you're, you're right. Round two players are supposed to have some sort of impact uh, for your team, whether it's games played, whether, uh, you, you know, d depending on the position, it obviously changes. But last year, the Bills had the luxury of going best player available. And that's, again, something Brandon Bean always does. And so it led to them going back-to-back -back defensive ends. And you already had Hughes. You already had Addison. 
You had a lot of veterans in that room, and it just ended up being a numbers game from week to week. So Basham was kind of the odd man out. You already had Epinesa there. You spent a first-round pick on Russo. Uh, this year, though, you're going to see him active most weeks. You're going to see him get his his uh, snaps in the rotation. It might not be, obviously, as much as Von Miller or Russo, but you're still going to see him getting his fair share of reps, and I think that will lead to some opportunities for him to make plays. So the one guy I did want to ask you about, too, before I let you go here, Ryan, is – your expectations of whether or not this year's second-round pick will curb, I think, the bad luck that this team has had with immediate impacts in the second round. Since Brandon Bean has gotten here, you know, you go back, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham last year, Epinesa the year prior. The year before that, it was Cody Ford, and we have not seen that step made by Cody Ford. Is this year's second-round pick, James Cook, is he going to buck the trend? Is he going to be a big contributor on this offense? Maybe not early, but by the end of the season, do you expect him to be – Maybe not the primary ball carrier, but a guy that sees, you know, 40, 45, 50% of the snaps. Yes, exactly that. Listen, the the Bills like to ease their rookies into the fold if they have someone that's already established there. So there have been circumstances like Trey White, when they drafted him, they needed him on the field immediately. Tremaine Edmonds, same thing. But when the Bills draft a player, if there's someone that's already established, they're not going to rush you into action. And I think that Devin Singletary, especially the way that he finished 2021, um, 75 or 78 yards or more in every game from about week 13, week 14 on, even through wildcard weekend, uh, something around eight touchdowns over that span of time. So he was a difference maker for this team. So he's going to be your, your number one back, and rightfully so, he deserves it. So you ease Cook into the lineup. Maybe it's on passing downs. You put him into the backfield. Maybe just line him up as a wide receiver. He's that good and natural as a receiving, as a pass-catching back. But as the season goes on, yes, his role is going to start to expand. You're going to see him more and more. And a 60-40 split by the end of the year, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Last thing I have for you, I'm going to stick in the running back room. What's your prediction on what happens with Zach Moss? I think he makes it, but listen, he needs a strong training camp. Uh, Last year, I, I heard from some people, you know, uh, if he wasn't a high draft pick for this team, I'm not sure he would make the roster over some of these other players. He was coming off of a pretty serious injury last yep. year. He couldn't really cut well one way. Brandon Beans alluded to that this offseason. I just think that actually the, drafting James Cook benefited Zach Moss mm. uh, because Duke Johnson is now the one that I think is going to be on the hot seat and, and most likely on the outside looking in because he kind of mimics what you expect James Cook to do be that pass-catching back. That's what he did most of his career. Now, mind you, Johnson last year in Miami when they brought him in, he didn't. He was mostly a runner, and he did a very nice job. So I'm not saying Johnson has no chance, but I think that because Cook can be such a uh, good pass-catcher, as long as Moss can show that he can be kind of uh, that bruising inside the tackle guy, he can show a little bit what we haven't seen from him in a few years, he has a chance to stick on this roster. All right, Ryan, appreciate you, brother. Uh, what do you and Matt got going on? Shout, uh, any upcoming uh, articles or things you're working on you want to promo? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at uh, top 22 players going into 2022, so I'll have a little series on that coming up soon. No shout this upcoming week. Matt's going to be on vacation, but we will be having some – uh, one or two shows every single week. Obviously, when camp ramps up, we'll be doing a few shows every week there. And then we're going to hopefully have a live location podcast here coming up in July. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you as always. Enjoy your long weekend, and uh, let's chat again soon. Hey, sounds great. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Ryan Talmot there of New York Upstate The Shout Podcast and Syracuse.com. Going to take a time out on the other side. Benjamin Albright's going to join me. We're going to talk about the Denver Broncos. That's coming up next here on WGR.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I just never stop going. I mean, I look at the noise, but I don't listen to it, you know, but I just, I just keep going and I just I go about my day. You know, whether it's on the field or off the field, I do what I do. And I may let some people know along the way, and if they don't believe me, then oh well. Or I show people along the way, if they don't believe it, then oh well, I'm gonna keep going. And that's how I look at it. I don't, I don't take no day for granted. I'm working, and it shows every, you know, each and every year. That is Buffalo Bills receiver Isaiah McKenzie. Ironically enough, former Denver Bronco Isaiah McKenzie, and joining me on the Western Hotline to chat about said Broncos is Benjamin Albright. He's a Broncos insider for KOA Colorado. You can follow him on Twitter at Albright Two L's NFL on Twitter. Benjamin, thanks so much, my friend. It's been a while. Hope uh, hope your summer's going well, my friend. Yeah, going pretty well so far. I, I'm uh, no complaints. No complaints. Going into a long weekend. Uh, you just got off of a. Uh, a championship parade, which uh, I've got to ask, you know, being a guy that's never actually been to a championship parade before. uh, How was that? I assume it was fun as hell. It looked very fun. Yeah, it was. It's the second one I've been to in the last, I don't know, five or six years. Obviously, the Broncos Super Bowl parade was a little more heavily attended, but for a hockey thing, I mean, there were 500,000 people there. So uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, um, it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, I would say that uh, of the two parades, if I were comparing the Broncos in this one, that the Broncos would have been a little more family-friendly, uh, and this one would have been a little more intoxicated. 
I did see a couple of very good videos, players falling down with the cup, so on and so forth. Uh, listen, I'll say this about hockey players. I've never really been one in my life. I've always been sort of a football guy. Um, hockey players do have a legacy of um, being able to drink with the best of them. Yeah, I mean, the whole sport has basically a Wade Boggs uh, <laughs> reputation, right? So That they do, yes, the uh, the boss hog, for sure. There, There's no doubt about that. Ben, um, obviously, you know, kind of looking forward here in the next couple of weeks is training camp. Uh, we're in, we're in, we're in the month where it starts. So it's exciting times for everyone. And I think no more exciting than maybe if you're a Broncos fan, because for the first time since, you know, Peyton Manning was acquired, um, there's a real feel that they have elite level quarterback play to match a team that has been sort of knocking on the door, but just doesn't have that quarterback to get them over the top. But in the same breath, in the same year they acquire Russell Wilson, you know, the division goes and gets Devontae Adams and, you know, Khalil Mack and all these moves that the rest of the division has made. While though those other teams got better, is there still that sense that Russell Wilson's the kind of missing piece for this Broncos team to finally get over the hump in that division that is probably going to be the best in football? Well, yeah. I mean, there kind of is. Uh, You're talking about a defense that was the third best defense in the league last year. Uh, If they could have just taken the flying leap forward in quarterback play and landed at staggering mediocrity, they probably would have been a playoff team. Uh, The fact that you you go out there and you get a top 10 quarterback like Russell Wilson, um, you know, that that sets the expectation even higher. And while Vic Fangio is gone, uh, you have Nathaniel Hackett in here now. And this this staff that he's assembled, while they're they're light on experience, uh, the offensive corner, defensive corner, special teams coordinator and head coach have never, ever been in those positions before. Uh, There is a different energy around the building. You know, it's upbeat where, you know, getting a compliment from Vic Fangio was trying to wring water from a stone. Uh, You know, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, you, you need an umbrella so you don't get showered with the compliments you know though the the funny thing about Fangio because he is that true old school NFL guy and and maybe in today's NFL that sort of personality doesn't exactly connect or 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 bring in some of the younger players and some of these guys now that um, are coming from college programs where you are getting more of that Nathaniel Hackett feel at the same time Ben I, I think there's a real sense at least for me that there was a, a level of underappreciation for how good of a defensive play caller Vic Fangio was. And whether or not he was equipped to be an NFL head coach, I don't know that he was ever given the true opportunity to be one considering the quarterbacks that he had to roll out there in every week. And listen, he's the head coach. He does have a level of say about who starts, who plays. But it's not like he had the opportunity to play with a Russell Wilson. Do you feel like... The move away from Fangio without giving him a true franchise quarterback was was a level of unfair, or or do you think that's just that's the way the NFL rolls? And you know, if you can't win with whoever they give you, then you know there's there's still no excuse at the end of the day. Well, I mean, for the fans, that's pretty much how it goes. You know, if you can't turn chicken, you know what, into chicken salad, then you know they're they're going to move on and find somebody who will give them the illusion that they will. Sure. And so that's 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 kind of how it works. I, I think McFanjo is a brilliant coach, uh, but he basically wanted to be CEO of the defense, and the problem was the offensive coordinators he had were bad, yes. and the quarterbacks that he had were worse. Um, and, and so, you know, if if you had if the Broncos had acquired Aaron Rodgers last summer when they were, you know, all that stuff was going down and they were trying to and, and all that kind of stuff was happening, if they had acquired, we're probably talking about 
coach of the year, Vic yep. Fangio, from last year. We're probably talking about a Broncos team that went deep in the playoffs and, and, and having an entirely different conversation right now. So a lot of it is quarterback dependent. Um, you talk about being being unfair. I don't, I, you know, fair is a is a funny word. I, yes, I don't know is. that anything's ever fair in life. But uh, as far as Vic Fangio goes, I think he's a brilliant coach, and, and his defense is the Vogue defense yep. in the league right now. But uh, but in the end, the, the team just had to move on. Yeah, and that that's the thing about Fangio is is his scheme is right now the thing in the NFL where a couple you know 10 15 years ago it's the 3 4 and uh last you know the last couple of years there's been this transition to the two deep shell and and now this is how how defenses are trying to combat all of these NFL passing offenses and and for him to sort of have that mark on the league but be out of it at this point does feel a little weird to me, and I and I do expect Fangio at some point to get back into the league next year after a year off and go be a defensive coordinator somewhere or go take over a program as a full-time head coach, but I am a little surprised that we, we find one of the architects of one of the most effective, you know, pass defenses in the league out of a job entirely. It's not that he didn't have the offers, but to, to see him on the sidelines is, is, is a bit weird, Ben. Well, yeah, he's and part of that is because of the contract that he has. Uh, there are offsets in there, so if he took a job, he'd be working for free. So uh, he's just taking the, the head coach salary that he still has for this season, taking the year off, doing some consulting work for for the 49ers, and then uh, you know next year he'll come back and and, uh, and and be a defensive coordinator somewhere. He had offers. He had offers from San Francisco. He had offers from Jacksonville, things like that. And so um, there there were there were offers out there. So, Ben, um, I wanted to – obviously, we're, we were talking about Russell Wilson there for a little bit, and then we got into Vic Fangio. But this offense uh, you know, is obviously an intriguing one. You guys bring back Melvin Gordon. Um, Javante Williams is, I mean, on the precipice, I think, of being one of the better young running backs in all of football. What does that backfield situation look like? Is, is Gordon going to be the guy that is, is – essentially, I'm asking, is, are things going to change this year? They bring him back, but he was sort of still the lead de facto. I know it towards the end of the year was way closer to 50-50 than it was to start the year, but it feels like Melvin Gordon probably – if you're if you're a Broncos fan and they the the Broncos re-signed uh, Gordon, I think there's a level of like, like uh, we we wanted to see Williams as that lead back and go find him a complimentary style back. And I'm just not sure Gordon is like a true complimentary style. He's not that pass catcher that you want. Like in my mind, I, I would have loved like a, a pass catching back option in that offense rather than bringing back Melvin Gordon. Well, they do have that in Mike Boone, uh, who's okay. the, the third running yep. back. But um, with, with Melvin, it's, it's going to be more of a situational role than it was last year. Um, you know, Javante's one weakness uh, is, is vision. Um, mm. That's kind of been his thing. And, and so he struggled in short yardage situations. Um, he had the highest stuff rate in the NFL, Javante did. Um, uh, one of the highest stuff rates in the NFL. And that means going for zero or negative yardage uh, on a carry, where Melvin Gordon had one of the lowest. Um, and so short yardage type situations, goal line situations, it's going to be Melvin Gordon. Uh, and then other, mm. most other situations, it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be Javante. I think you're probably looking at a 60-40 split in favor of Javante this year um, and, and, and going from there. Um, with, with Javante, you know, I mean, he just he rips off those, those highlight reel runs. Melvin doesn't do that, but Melvin's more solid and steady. Uh, you know, you need one yard, he'll get you three. You need four yards, he'll get you three. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that's probably what you're going to see in terms of the split going forward. And then at the wide receiver position, I think everyone talks about the Bengals as having like that true top trio. Obviously, Chase is unbelievable, and T. Higgins is is really good, and Tyler Boyd is very solid. But this group of three. 
and maybe it's just because of the quarterback play they've had over the last couple of years where they really have it, especially like a Jerry Judy who just has not really hit that stride as of yet. Is is Tim Patrick the most underappreciated and under-talked about wide receiver in all of football? He might be. I mean, he just doesn't drop the football. He is Mr. Reliable on third down. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys that if you look at the guys he's had throwing and then you look at the numbers he's put up, you say, how? You know, uh, so it's it's um, you know, he's he's been uh, he's been ultra reliable. And, yeah, one of the guys I mean, he's not a, he's not a complete wide receiver, but he, he's a long strider with uh, with great, you know, back shoulder catchability. Uh, he can get deep on you. Uh, you. You don't want him running the technical routes where he's got to move because the hips just aren't there. But, um, but but he's a he's a great wide receiver. Um, you know, him and Cortland on the outside with kind of that skies, the limit catch radius and then Judy. And, and it really it's not a trio. It's a it's a it's a, a quartet. Right with KJ Hamler. Yep. If Hamler could just stay healthy, I'll tell you the guys out there at practice, the corners out there at practice privately, they'll tell you that they don't want to get matched up with KJ in practice. Cause mm-hmm. he makes them look silly. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'd rather line up on Judy. They'd rather line up on, uh, on Sutton or Patrick because he's not going to make them look as silly. And, and, and KJ just makes them look absolutely silly. So really it's more of a quintet. If, if KJ can stay healthy, you know, and it's funny because I think about Wilson's last year in Seattle, you had DK Metcalf, you had Tyler Lockett. If you want to say that, Cortland Sutton's your DK Metcalf, that that vertical big body receiver. Well, then that probably leaves Jerry Judy as being his Tyler Lockett. And I'm sort of wondering when that breakout happens for Judy. And I'm glad you brought up Hamler because he's sort of been a favorite of mine since he was drafted, but it hasn't materialized because, as you mentioned there, the injuries have just been have been a hampering thing for him. But what is it? Is this the year, though? I mean, is it just as simple as they've got Russell Wilson and now Jerry Judy has the breakout campaign? Like, are, are you, I guess, predicting that he really has that official breakout Jerry Judy number, you know, n- number one wide receiver type situation? And is he that guy? Like, is he a number one receiver, Ben? I don't know if number one receiver is probably the best way to put it, but I think he can get a thousand yards and, you know, six to eight touchdowns this year. Um, and and he, I, I think if you're looking for Jerry Judy in a comparison to a receiver that, that worked with Russell Wilson before, I think it's more like Golden Tate. Mm. Um, I think he's going to be that guy on the backside, on the drag, on the slant, stuff like that. Russell put the ball in his hands and let him create. Uh, and I think that's – I think if you're looking for the locket guy, it's probably K.J. It's probably K.J. Mm. Hamler. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's really kind of um, the, the roles that they have you know, in this offense. And you know, you're going to see it's, – it's interesting because there's just there's so many bodies, and I don't know if there's enough balls to go around. So you could see Jerry Judy absolutely be dominant one game, and then the next game you know, he, he might not even be in the, uh, in the game plan as much just because there's, there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. We've got Broncos insider Benjamin Albright here on the Western Hotline talking about Denver. And before I ask you a couple questions about the rest of this division, I did kind of want to find out from you and, and, and your overall thoughts and the feels you've gotten from minicamp and, and going into this training camp session that this is going to be an offense that finally, quote, you know, let's Russ cook. You know, we, we were talking about running backs and, you know, both of them are downhill runners, but you, you mentioned the, the breakaway ability of Javante Williams, but I'm wondering what this offense looks like in terms of a run-pass balance. Like, I think balance in the NFL is the worst hot phrase that anybody could talk about in terms of offenses. I hate when people here in Buffalo talk about how the Bills need more balance. Like, no, they don't. They need to. Sure, they need to run the ball more effectively, but it doesn't mean they need to run the ball more. What is mm-hmm. what is the definition of balance, do you think, right now to Nathaniel Hackett? I think the definition of balance to hack it is is not tipping your hand what you're doing before the play starts. 
whether you're throwing the ball 70% of the time or 50% of the time, as long as you're not tipping your hand and the defense is still guessing, then that's balance to him. Uh, I, I don't think balance is in a number of play calls in one direction or the other, you know. Uh, famously, John Gruden was that guy who wouldn't get but two or three plays away from doing one thing and have to go back the other way because he was right. obsessed with balance. I think Hackett goes the other way with that. So uh, I do think that this offense is going to be a lot more run heavy than people think, uh, simply because you've got those two backs and it's going to be you know the it's going to be outside zone left back right. But you know I, I don't know that. Uh, and if you look at Hackett's experience as a play caller, I mean they were number one in the league in rushing the football uh, both times. He was first season as a play caller there in Buffalo and in Jacksonville. So. Um, you know, I, I do think there'll be plenty of running the football, but I, I think they'll let Russ cook as well. It's not going to be like Seattle where they run the football, run the football some more, run the football some more, and then when there's four minutes left, they ask Russ to perform a miracle. Uh, it's not going to be like that. Um, they, they'll let Russ cook in the sense that, uh, uh, that that they're going to get him out there and do the things he wants to do, but there will still be a heavy run component to this offense. All right, well, I, what I'm going to ask you now is to try to – summarize the loss of Tyreek Hill in terms of the rest of the division and, and kind of how that was perceived because I, I won't lie obviously there, there was when the initial rumor and obviously from the time the rumor came out to the time the move was made I'm not sure I've seen a quicker turnaround right of hey you know the Chiefs might be looking to move Tyreek Hill oh wow that's interesting oh wait they just traded him to the Dolphins like it felt that quick and immediate what is the feel in that division about how that affects Patrick Mahomes because I think there's a, there's a sense with a lot of smart people that I follow that know offenses that that are you know that are analytic based but also film based that all sort of believe of course there is no replacing Tyreek Hill but that his absence in that offense might lead to them having more options, more ability in the pass game to disguise what they're doing because now teams aren't queuing on just him and 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 bracketing coverage over to him. I'm not sure that I totally buy it, Ben, but I'm also not going to tell you that I think Patrick Mahomes is going to turn into, you know, you, you know, name Mr. Me. He's not going to turn into Kirk Cousins here. <laughs> well, yeah, that's for sure. Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, and he's the engine that makes all that go. That said, Tyreek Hill does do some things uh, that made them that made the Chiefs uh, tougher to defend. Just him being on the field, you know, um, you had to, you did have to bracket coverage, you did have to roll a safety over the top. Now you don't have to do that. I, I think the biggest person that's going to affect is not Pat Mahomes. I think it's Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey used to feast in the mid game because you had to you had to roll coverage over the top of Tyreek. And so now, um, you know, you're going to have to establish one of these two other guys, whether that's McCole Hardman, whether that's Marquez Valdez. Drop this. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know which of those guys is going to establish themselves as a as a reliable enough deep threat. To, to get you rolling coverage, but that's the idea. That's what they're going to have to do in order to establish that. Um, I like Juju, but he's a he's a number two receiver, and he's he's just kind of a guy. Um, and you know, as Travis Kelsey now, the the onus is going to be on him. And at this point in his career, I don't know that he commands. Um, enough respect that you're dropping safeties down to bracket and, and, and leaving somebody open over the top, you know, middle of the field closed and leaving somebody open over the top on the outside. That was a good one, man. I I. I... That's why I bring you on the show, I mean, for the one-liners, but that, that was about as good as it gets. Let me get your thoughts on one more team here, and it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of what the Chargers did this offseason. I do think they overpaid for J.C. Jackson. I don't think he's that true dog, number one, you know, mm -hmm. number, you know, top five corner in the league. I watched Stephon Diggs burn him multiple times. I'm just not sure he's that guy, but he got paid like he's that guy. In Las Vegas, like – I think there's a real, real opportunity for that team. I know people are predicting them to be the worst team in that division. 
I'm not there. I like I, I think they can be as good as Denver. I think they can be as good as the Chargers. The question is, is Derek Carr with Devontae, who's the true alpha number one wide receiver, going to be the guy that everyone still kind of considers him, which is, I mean, he's paid as a top five quarterback. I'm not sure he's that guy, though. Well, I think Derek might be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. He's a top 10 guy. I don't know if he's top five. He's a top 10 quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's good. Derek Carr's a good quarterback. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's a great one, but he's a good one. Um, you know, and you got to pick your poison problem with, uh, you know, with who you got to defend between Waller, Renfro, and, and Adams. Um, so that that's a problem on third downs. Uh, the problem with the Raiders, though, is uh, it doesn't have anything to do with with any of that. The problem with the Raiders, and uh, you know, good for them for moving from from Oakland to Las Vegas because uh, you know there's no D in Las Vegas either. Uh, is this that they, they they literally have nothing on the back end yeah. of that defense, uh, and so that's you know that's the problem. Um, I, I, it's it's going to be a boat race type scenario. They're going to have to win shootouts, um, and that's going to be a problem. They did they did do a good thing and bring Chandler Jones to put him opposite Max Crosby uh, in terms of the pass rush. And that's going to pay wonders. But the problem is that back end is just, it's awful. And so I, I just don't see a way that they're winning football games with, with that secondary. Who's the, uh, who's the corner they got from the Colts in the uh, in, Rocky Sin? Yeah. Rocky Sin. Yeah. He's not, he's not uh, rocking the boat for you. Uh, you know, it would be a sin for me to say that he solved their problems. Love that. Love that. I'm, I'm glad we both got two puns in there. Ben, I appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy your long weekend. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time, as always. Let's uh, let's plan on doing it again at some point this season. Absolutely, guys, and enjoy Von Miller out there. Thanks, brother. we Will do. Benjamin Albright there on the Western Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout because this is the first time I've ever actually been semi-close to on time for breaks in an hour. So I'm going to get to break here. On the other side, we've got John Ellis. He covers the Panthers. We're going to talk Carolina. That's coming up next here on WGR. No matter how much you love Baker, is the third best quarterback in that draft. Well, He's not been. One of them won the MVP, and I'm still not sure about the other one. The guy from Buffalo, and yet everybody says they're the favorite to win it all. Okay, we'll Skip, see. You, okay, you're not sure about jo- you're not sure about Josh Allen. Well, I gotta see. You him. don't think you hold on. You need to see more from Josh Allen, mm-hmm. who's taken his team to the AFC Championship, lost in, the, in one of the great games in playoff history. He's done that, but you're sure about Baker Mayfield? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm just saying it hasn't finished yet. Sort of seems like it might have finished. Skip Bayless there. What's his show on Fox Sports? It's an, it's an undisputed? Undisputed. Okay, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, nobody watches it, I don't think. I like Shannon Sharp, though. I'm a big Shannon Sharp fan. Brought up Baker Mayfield. We're going to bring him up again. John Ellis, he covers the Carolina Panthers. Are they going to, won't they, will they, won't they situation? We'll talk to John. That's coming up next, so don't go anywhere. We're talking Carolina Panthers next here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 